Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. There are two options at the moment. It's either you go through Port Sudan or you go through the Egyptian border. And it's, it's a, a hell of a journey. Uh, with elderly and sick people there, and uh, yeah, the situation is is really bad. In Sudan, a struggle for power and control has people fleeing for their lives. I've been bashing the phone lines and trying to get a hold of family members, and I spent the entire weekend trying to make sure some of them moved to a more secure place. Um, I've also got family members that are now on the way to the Egyptian border, um, trying to um, get out if possible. Tensions between the army and a powerful paramilitary who were once allies now have boiled over and entire Sudanese neighborhoods across cities are being abandoned. I mean, what's happening now is just beyond description. So we just need this to stop as soon as possible. Sudanese diaspora members in New Zealand are feeling powerless as they desperately wait for news of their family members trying to escape the conflict in Sudan. This is Voices with me, Kadambri Ragokumar. On April 15th, intense fighting erupted between the National Army, led by General Burhan, and the Rapid Support Forces, or the RSF, born out of the Janjaweed, who were paramilitia set up by the ousted leader Omar al-Bashir in 2013 during the Darfur conflict. The group has become significantly powerful over the years under its leader, General Dagalo. Since this latest fight for control began, power lines have been down, internet connectivity patchy, ATMs have run out of cash and food and water have become scarce. Here in Auckland, diaspora members have been struggling to keep track of family members attempting to leave the capital Khartoum, a city of about 6 million, for safer ground. Yeah, we're trying to um, get in touch with those back home. But yeah, sometimes we get uh, disconnected. So now I'm trying to follow up with my mom to see, uh, to try and tell her that there's a ship leaving in 90 minutes and they don't pick up. So, yeah, we're very worried. I'm not sure really what, um, how people are coping over there, if that's how we feel over here. That's Dr. Reem Abbas from Auckland. I was in Sudan in 2019 at the height of the uprising that ousted Omar al-Bashir as the army took over, and I've been following events there closely ever since. In October 2021, I spoke to Reem for an episode of the Voices podcast as the Sudanese army dissolved the country's transitional civilian government and arrested several key leaders. The coup sparked protests with hundreds of thousands of people demanding a return of civilian rule. But this current violent conflict was not something many had seen coming. Overnight, thousands from Khartoum have had to find ways to pack up and leave. Reem's mother was one of them. She had to leave by land uh, in the first few days, but she still didn't manage to be evacuated. So, yeah, 
only those with uh, passports, uh, foreign passports have been able to, or dual citizenships have been able to be evacuated and not all of them, because not everyone can reach um, the evacuation point. It's, it's that bad. Reem's mother is waiting to leave for Saudi Arabia, like thousands of others who fled to Port Sudan. Others are stuck at the Egyptian border. Sudan is the third largest country in Africa and shares borders with seven other nations. So what happens there invariably has ripple effects across the region. So far, at least 459 people have been killed in this conflict that's forcing thousands of people to cross the border, with nearly 20,000 in neighboring Chad alone. Hundreds of people have been impacted. Only yesterday we lost a very dear friend. Yeah, such a wonderful doctor, a scientist, and a humble man, a really beautiful soul. His name is Dr. Bushra. And, but he's one of hundreds. I mean, you even feel guilty when you, when you find yourself talking about your loved ones because there are so many more people out there. As of this past weekend, a truce of 72 hours was mediated by the U.S. and Saudi Arabia, while people are still trying to find ways to leave for safer places. Dr. Ala practices here in Waikato and was born in Sudan. Much of her family still live there. Another group of my family members are en route to potentially safer areas in Sudan. And the cost of that, because to make that journey, you need to be able to pay in cash to organize some form of transport. And there is no cash. There's no cash flow on the ground. Um, It is just, it's absolutely terrible. No electricity. There's no water flow. Um, Stepping out of the house to get any form of resources is quite dangerous. But, um, yeah, all I can do now is just wait and see what happens. Um, I distinctly remember when I was there in 2019, in the middle of the revolution, I distinctly remember there being a great sense of optimism for the future that was to come and now to have come to something like this was this something that anyone had expected in the community you're absolutely right initially after the sudanese uprising there was that sense of optimism we were hoping that we would be able to move um to a democratic state and that people would actually have a voice um in what happens to our country but um two years after the uprising um when the prime minister was kicked out um People sort of had that sense of doom and gloom because we know that in the background, all of these different political parties may appear to have been collaborating together, but the ultimate goal is power over Sudan. And as a result of that, they may have appeared, like I think they may have appeared that they were collaborating or trying to um, transition the government Um, to a democratic um, government. But the reality is that power struggle in the background has now translated into war. So so I feel that over the past year or so, there have been suspicions that war in Sudan was possible, but I don't think anyone um, could picture, I mean, anyone predicted what it would look like right now. So what exactly can be done from all the way here in New Zealand as members of the diaspora? What can be done and what is being planned? From um, my perspective as a doctor, I think my concern is that because the fighting erupted unexpectedly, 
there is not enough support available on the ground. There are a lot of people who are injured. Um, there are people with chronic medical conditions who have no access to medical care or medications. Um, there were people that were stranded in hospitals, in schools, because the fighting um, erupted so unexpectedly. Um, and at the moment, there are associations like international associations of doctors. For example, there's the Sudanese um, American Physician Association. There are doctors um, who are sort of who have set up um, clinics from their own homes to try and help some of the injured. But the reality is the number of deaths, the number of injuries is going to increase every single day. And it is fundraising to support organizations like this so that there is some form of relief or medical relief or financial relief um, for our people on the ground. So what are you suggesting there? Are you suggesting that there be some kind of fundraising efforts here in New Zealand? Yep. So, um, I mean, the Sudanese um, Association is looking at fundraising at the moment, but we are hoping to um, organize that on a larger scale. So organize for online fundraising so that we are able to um, support these, com- these international organizations that are actively working to provide relief to Sudan. Abdurrahman Bashir is a former president of the Sudanese Society here in Auckland. We do feel quite helpless here. Um, because there's no money on the ground. So even if we do want to send money to support these ridiculously inflated prices to exit, um, actually getting the money there is a, is a really big issue. Um, and this is obviously on top of an, a pre-existing um, economic, uh, the pre-existing dire economic context where people are really struggling. So having that disposable income to just relocate is not an easy task. Uh, so I know a lot of community members are trying to logistically sort out um, a passage out of, you know, at least the capital for our community so that we didn't have this threat in the past and not to this intensity. So that there is that logistical um, aspect that many um, of our community members are dealing with. And you do feel a little bit demoralized being so far away in New Zealand, but I think uh, at least a recognition from our government in actually acknowledging our trauma and acknowledging our hurt is a step. And while so many people are just kind of engulfed at the moment with dealing with the emotional aspect of it and having your families there and trying to protect your families. But, um, you know, just on the side of having thoughts around, we've seen New Zealand's response to other crises. And while they were legitimate crises in in Ukraine, but we had a very swift um, immigration process for existing family members here to bring their families over there. So that is a hope and a dream. But it needs to start with the recognition. I spoke to Minister of Foreign Affairs Nanaya Mahuta about what New Zealand's position on this conflict is. Look, we uh, welcome all efforts to see the de-escalation of violence in Sudan, uh, a ceasefire, and returning Sudan to a state of peace. Uh, and it's going to be a, a really challenging time. <clears throat> but I think many uh, members of the international community are wanting to see uh, a peaceful state so that Sudan can return to democracy. New Zealand has some strategic and economic interests in that region as well, given the fact that we do have oil tankers that, that ply the Red Sea route. The stability and peace in that region is of, of great importance to New Zealand. That's right, and uh, that's why New Zealand will continue uh, to stand alongside others of the international community who are calling for a de-escalation of violence, ceasefire, return to stable uh, democracy uh, and we'll put all efforts into advocating uh, that pathway. 
So at this point, it's it's efforts into advocacy and not not any real humanitarian assistance or um, intervention. Well, we will continue to be vigilant and uh, see what's happening uh, in the area. We've got nine people registered on the Safe Travel uh, website since the escalation of violence. Of those nine uh, people, New Zealand nationals, eight have uh, evacuated uh, from uh, Sudan uh, with the help of both France and Germany. So I want to acknowledge that there's a high level of vigilance uh, from other uh, countries to ensure that their nationals have a safe passage out of Sudan and then there's the uh, diplomatic uh, uh, pathway and advocacy for Sudan to return to a peaceful state. And will New Zealand look at including any Sudanese representation in our current refugee quota, um, especially for families of Sudanese Kiwi living here? Well, that's uh, a consideration for the Minister of Immigration. And as I say, as we uh, continue to observe what is happening in Sudan, uh, we'll certainly uh, continue to reassess uh, our response and an approach, especially in the area of a humanitarian response and um, further considerations. But the matter of um, uh, visas and uh, refugee considerations will be uh, other, other determinations will have to be made alongside the immigration minister. Sudanese Kiwis like Dr. Allah hope that family members caught in the conflict will be helped through refugee visas and allowed entry into New Zealand. I mean, for us as New Zealand citizens, um, our children have been born in New Zealand, but at the same time, they do identify and connect with their ethnic roots. So I do feel that New Zealand needs to take a stand on this um, and give us some form of support, um, connection or safety for our families who are going to become um, stranded in different countries around the world as they're not able to go back to Sudan would also be definite, would definitely be something that we would want support with. Dr. Reem again. A lot can be done from here. Um, New Zealand has always been there for, for us. And I think um, shedding the light on what's happening, putting pressures pressure on the, on the two fighting parties to stop the violence, and most importantly, establishing safe humanitarian passages for, for the elderly and for people and women and children to be able to escape, for civilians in general. These are, these are um, terrible times, but I don't want people to have the impression that these are uh, violent people fighting each other. That's true, but this is on a level of the, the, the decision makers at the moment. The country and the nation has been peaceful. We've done a, we've been, uh, we've done a really beautiful and peaceful revolution in 2019. What's happening now is uh, um, a fight over power. And the only losers are us, the people. We just need this to stop as soon as possible. That's the Sudanese diaspora here in Auckland talking to me about the conflict that their country's embroiled in. A big thanks to Dr. Reem Abbas, Dr. Allah and Abdurrahman Bashir for talking to me this week on Voices. For more stories like this, follow us on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio and everywhere you get your podcasts from. You can also find Voices on the RNZ website. My name is Kadambri Raghukumar and each week I produce an episode of Voices that features people from all around the world living here in New Zealand. Today's episode was mixed by Daniel Hurley. Thanks for listening. 
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.